0: So over the last couple of weeks, uh, we're kind of on week three of unpacking what our family of, of missionary servants are aiming after. What we as a church, what we have kind of centered ourselves around the teachings and ideas. There's a lot of things that as a church you could kind of be about, um, but we have kind of set up for us, ourselves, a specific focus, and that is to to exist as a family of missionary servants, that we exist to function as family. And the primary place for us to function as family is what we do here in the gathering, that you would be able to sit alongside of brothers and sisters and worship our God the Father in the midst of, of the Holy Spirit's power in our life because of, uh, we're co-heirs with Christ, that because of what he has done for us, that we are able to grow in relationship with God. And in doing so, it should impact the way that we treat each other. That the gathering is uniquely designed for that purpose, for us to be able to, to, to gather and to connect. So that when we scatter, we are stronger and more influential in our places of focus as, as missionaries. Our, our kind of third spaces, we have our gathering, and then we have our you know, villages, which are meet during the week. And then we have our third spaces, which is where the life of Jesus Christ is able to be seen, able to be experienced you know, through our life. And so well, last week we spent time talking about the value of missionaries and how our villages are the key places for us to realize effectiveness as missionaries. We talked about that, that word is, can be very intimidating. Um, but the reality is, is that as we went around the room and we kind of thought through the people that have introduced us to Jesus, very few of them were professionals. Very few of them had gone from a, come, had come to your life from a different country. Most of them were just doing the things that God had created them to do. And that with that, there was an unbelievable power that was present within their life to do the, just the things that he had called us to do. That he was not asking us to do anything or to give to someone else something he hasn't first given us. And so that to be a receiver of the life of Jesus meant that we would be a giver of the life of Jesus. That to be someone who does receive that most precious gift at the very same time means that we're also going to be people that are a giver of that most precious gift. And the great thing about it is, is that whenever you give the life of Jesus away, you do not lose the life of Jesus. As a matter of fact, you begin to experience what the life of Christ really entails, not only as a receiver, but then, most importantly, as a giver. Because just as Jesus was incarnated to us, so then we are to be incarnated to the world, from our closest neighbors to the farthest nations. God has intended for us to be carriers of the life of Jesus. And when doing so, we are just simply being the disciples of Jesus who guide people towards discovering life in Jesus. That is simply what we are doing. And so for us, and again, this for the sake of being redundant, it's on your outline every single week we've been doing this series, but the thought is this, is that the life in Jesus Christ can be best discovered when we function fully as a family of missionary servants can function best as we work collectively together to be the family of missionary servants that God has designed for us to be. The way we've chosen to kind of visualize this graphically is is up here on the screen uh, in front of you guys, Um, and the, the graphic shows how we function as a family of missionary servants, and that each of those things are unique, and each of those things are important. But when there's an overlap, where all three of those things are collectively cooperating together, that is where the life of Jesus Christ is able to be seen, able to be experienced, able to be discovered. I don't know about you, but most of the conversations that I have had the privilege of having with people in our community is people are not antagonistic towards Jesus Christ. They're not antagonistic towards Christianity. It's just irrelevant in their mind. It is They don't see why it matters. And so when we function as a family, as missionaries, and as servants, it allows for the life of Jesus Christ to be visible. It becomes relevant. He becomes relevant. They begin to experience and to see the life of Christ on display in a powerful way. And as a result of that, we have an opportunity to now speak to something people understand and have a felt need towards, because so they can see the difference that Christ has made in our life as we're functioning that way. So what we're talking about, okay, are ideals. So when you think about that for a second, like one of the things that I came up in conversations, with people this past week and the week before that, and even as we've kind of set out on this on this venture to function as a family of missionary servants, we're like, that is just really, really, really difficult. <laughs> I'm like, well, yeah, it's not something that we should be able to accomplish. It is something that only we can accomplish Because God is at work within our lives and that we are living as we're encouraged to do from Rachel to surrender in a way that positions God appropriately in our life as the head of our life. And that we've living a surrendered life underneath, underneath him. And in doing so, he can breathe his life into us because what is impossible for us to do is incredibly possible for him to do. What What is impossible for man is always possible with God. And so we want him to have that kind of access in our lives, and so we just position ourselves appropriately in doing so. And so what we're doing is just clarifying what the end result looks like. We're clarifying and committing to the ideal, to function as a family, to function as missionaries, and to function as servants. Can you see it more clearly now? (laughs) Uh, Let there be light. Uh, Thanks, Geraldo. The reality is this, is that that is the ideal. We're defining the ideal, Okay? And so then what we're doing is making commitment and then starting to work ourselves towards that ideal. With patience and persistence, we daily gain inches towards that ideal. And so what's happening is God is able to show other people his character through our lives as we are patiently and persistently working towards that ideal. Does that make sense? So it's not as if we're talking about functioning as a family of missionary servants and all of a sudden, boom, you're there. If any of you mastered this, if you've got it all figured out, I guess we need to trade places. Because so I'm telling you, this is this is difficult and challenging. I need Jesus as much today as I've ever needed him in my life. But it doesn't deter me as a matter of fact, it provokes me towards wanting to patiently and persistently become more like Jesus. Be a more faithful display of the life of Jesus. And so what we're committing to and what we're thinking about and what we're trying to rally ourselves towards is to agree with the ideal. And so I'm not trying to be convincing. I'm not trying to cajole you or to manipulate or anything, but to clearly define what the biblical ideal is. And then you have to make a decision if that's something that you want and believe is right. And then you line yourself up towards it with patience and persistence and the grace that only God can give to allow us to be able to accomplish His way. So with that in mind, I kind of want to describe for you and for the rest of this time together today is describe what this ideal of servanthood looks like. they to for the function as families, missionary, servants. There's an action to what we do, and it undergirds the way that we operate. Because again, as disciples of Jesus, we are doing the things that Jesus did for the reasons that Jesus did them, and that's it. We're doing the things that Jesus did for the very reasons that he did them. And so we want to embody the life of Christ that way. And so this week... We aim to see what is right in God's sight as it relates to living a life of service. So, servants, and this is even on that, that um, piece of paper you had on, on your seat when you sat down, that is for you to take home with you and kind of continue thinking through it. But literally, this next paragraph is there in front of you. It's there for you to be able to think about. Each of the different things as a family of missionary servants, each of these things are there for you to be able to think through, to pray through. And so we can clearly understand what it is that we are aiming at, the ideal that we're wanting to embody. So as servants, our function as a family and as missionaries must be characterized with the lifestyle of a servant. This is how Jesus lived, and the scriptures have provided for us this example for us to follow. If anyone had the right to be served, it was Jesus. However, he chose to embrace the role of a servant and lay down his life for the world. Through his example... Through the example of Jesus and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, we seek to prefer others ahead of ourselves in our church, home, workplace, and every other place that we go. Is that a worthy ideal? Of course it is. So here are some passages that help us undergird that paragraph and also the way that we should function collectively together. So the first thing is Galatians chapter 6 verse 10. And in this we see how we're serving as our Christian family is a priority. Galatians 6:10 says therefore whenever we have the opportunity we should do good to everyone especially those in the family of faith. First Peter chapter 4 verse 10 says that we have been equipped to serve and it says this, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. So use them well to serve one another. In Joshua chapter twenty four, in verse fifteen, we see how life of service is a choice. It's not something we're always going to feel like doing, it's a choice that we make because it's the right choice to make. Joshua put it this way he says, But if you is challenging the people of Israel, he says, But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today who you will serve. Would you prefer the gods of your ancestors that serve beyond the Euphrates? Or will it be the gods of the Amorites, in whose land you now live? He makes it very, very clear, though. He says, but as for me, in my family, we will serve the Lord. Romans chapter 12 and verse 11 describes how we should serve God, not out of reluctance, but we should serve him with enthusiasm. It says, never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord with what? Enthusiasm. How are we supposed to serve him? Enthusiastically. That was a non enthusiastic way of saying the word enthusiastically. So let's improve on that. So never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord what? Enthusiastically. Enthusiastically. It is a privilege to be able to serve God. He is a generous master, he is benevolent, loving, and caring. He is generous towards us. And the last scripture is Galatians chapter 5 and verse 13. It kind of gives us a really interesting paradox. So we are slaves who have been set free. We were slaves to sin, but he has set us free. And so free slaves serve freely. And as he says, for you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. How amazing is that? These are the scriptures so many. I mean, they're literally Hundreds of times the words serving, service, or serve are used in the Scriptures to help us understand the ideal of what it means for us to serve. And we just covered a lot of ground. I read a lot of Scriptures to you. I hope you will take those Scriptures home with you. I hope you'll read those this week. I hope you'll figure out what it means to be able to embody those things and not just again, that we not just be hearers of the Word. This world does not need any more people that claim Jesus and just talk about what they've heard. This world needs people who will take the scriptures, be hearers of the scriptures, and then flesh them out in their life. People don't need another sound bite. They need a living billboard, walking billboard of the testimony, the power of Jesus, of people who were once broken, but have now been set free. That is what this world needs. That's what God has called us to be. The reality is, and again, there's so many scriptures that unpack this, but the, the reality is this, guys, is we are not going to be able to, nor are we intended to be Christians and not have an attitude or a heart of serving. A servant's heart comes with the heart of Jesus. It comes with a transformed life. When we realize to the great extent that we have been served, it is a natural byproduct of that realization to want to serve others. An attitude of servitude comes with a transformed life. As you will see, in many ways, the unserving Christian really is living an unchristian life. That's a really strong statement, and I hope you hear that from a place of like humility. But that's such that's, it's it's an accurate perspective. If you will turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. There are about four or five, depending on the translation that you choose to read in the Scriptures, that describe Jesus' words himself as saying this is the reason why he came. We read one last week. He came to seek and to save those who were lost. John 10, he describes how he came to give life. Then we may have life to the full or abundantly. And, and here's another one of these. Mark chapter 10, verses 42 through 45 Jesus says this, he talks about this whole role, like the idea of leadership or influence and kind of his role and what it looks like for him as the King of Kings, Lord of Lords, who was incarnated to us, didn't hold equality with God as something to be grasped onto, but freely gave it up, took a life of flesh, ultimate obedience to the point of dying on the cross for you and for me. And what so he says, he says, you know, the rulers in this world lord it over their people and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. You might work for somebody like this, right? We can't be resentful to us. This is how the world operates. This is how the world operates. They don't have Jesus. This is how they function. says, verse 43 it says, But among you it will be different. Circle that word, different. Why would it be different? Why is this thing going to be different with you? Who is he talking to? He's talking to his disciples who were just arguing over a place of prominence in the life of Jesus, arguing over who is the greatest. And what that entails. And so Jesus flips this around, turns it on, on, on his head, and he gets to uh, help him understand the flawed way in which you're thinking. They're embodying a way of the world. They're not embodying, embodying the way of Jesus. They're not embodying this new life. It's, but among you, it will be what? Stay with me. But among you, it will be what? Yeah, it will be different. Whoever wants to, so how is it different? This is, what this is how it's different. I'm so glad you asked. This is what he says. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your what? Servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be the what? Slave of everyone else. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. So why did he come? Did he come so that we might serve him? Did he come because he needed something from us? No, he came to offer himself for us as a ransom. He gave his life in its totality for our sin, for the worst of what we are. Richard also described that the exchange that happens when we surrender, we offer up in salvation, we offer up our sin, and he gives us Forgiveness. We offer up our unrighteous actions and he offers up his righteousness in return. He serves the deepest and most dark and depressing and discouraging parts of our lives and offers us the exact opposite in return. To live a life that is not based in service really is in many ways an unchristian life. Jesus could have come as the King of Glory, when we joked a couple of weeks ago, like if I would have come in, it would have been like you know, like I'd come in like a combination of Aladdin and Gladiator. I'd have been like all suited up in Gladiator, but like on a flying carpet, magic carpet ride. I'd been oh, that's what I, would, that's how I would have entered into this world as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That's what I would have done, but he just comes as a baby, vulnerable and helpless, and he enters in that just in a way to serve. He didn't come authoritatively lording over it. If anyone had the right to do so, it would have been Jesus, right? Because he would have done it perfectly. But as a model for us, it must be different for us. How we live our lives must be different. In many ways, we're going to be the scourge of the world. In many ways, we're going to be living in the gutter of the world because that's where Jesus would be. We'd be doing the things that Jesus does for the reasons that Jesus would do them. We're going to be misunderstood. We're going to be made fun of. We're going to be the blunt of people's jokes. We're going to be... So was Jesus. The life of Jesus Christ takes us to the place of a servant. It doesn't take us to the place of a king. Now, Jesus will return, and in doing so, return in his glory, and he will be the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And at every knee, at one point, every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. It has not happened yet. He came as the Lamb of God who came to take away the sins of the world. See, the life of Jesus Christ—it wasn't displayed as a king, but it came as was displayed as a servant. This concept is extremely counterculture for the day in which Jesus said it, and it certainly is for us today as well. Especially as Americans, like we kicked the British out of here because they wanted to make us their servants. Right, taxation without representation? No, we're going to battle over that. Like, no, we're not. We're not. We're not doing that. That is ingrained in our ideals as a as a country and as a people. It's we're nobody's servant. But see, the life of Christ is something very different. It says we're actually, yeah, we're supposed to be. So what that does is in a culture that says we shouldn't be servants, that as we embrace the role of a servant, guess what? It displays the life of Christ. And all of a sudden, the life of Christ becomes relevant. We're now caring for people and serving people in a way that no one else is doing. The life of Christ comes on display. We're functioning and embodying the life of a servant. You see, it would be completely normal for the one in authority to see it as their privilege to have people serving them. But Jesus, as he was accustomed to doing, said things are very different than that. The life of Christ is not that way. So the greatest should be the chief servant. And he foreshadowed how he would ultimately serve the world by taking the Father's punishment for sin upon himself on the cross. So we have to think differently about what it means to be a servant. Look at your neighbor and say, being a servant is an honor. Say it. Being a servant is an honor. The reality is, is being a servant, it's not a devalued title. It's an elevated title. Because we're not cooperating and functioning as we would as people of this world. We're living as citizens of heaven. We're not living as people who have to lord it over people to feel good about ourselves. We already have a value that is intrinsic, that came with us with the life of Jesus. We don't need someone's cheap flattery to make us feel more valued. We have all the value we need in Jesus. It's very true, but it's not always easy. In many ways, it's rarely easy. This is hard for us because we hear the word servant and we equate it with the value of an individual. In our culture, the servant would be understood as having diminished value when compared to their master. That their value as a human being is less because they're choosing to serve someone else. Jesus wanted to revolutionize this concept by giving the greatest value to a person by his sacrifice. And then guess what? He wanted us to do the same. Serving another person does not diminish our value in any way. In any way. As so a matter of fact, we have our priorities in the correct order. When we do have our priorities in the correct order, serving becomes a whole lot easier. Our priority list for life should look like this. We talked about this from the very beginning of Discovered Church seven years ago is there are going to be people that live with a different type of priority list. They're going to live a life that puts God first, others second, and us third that we were going to live a life with a towel in our hand, washing feet and not expecting people to put a crown on our heads. We were going to care for those who were far from Jesus and bring them close through serving and caring for the base needs of their life. We're going to offer up ourselves as a living sacrifice. Why? Because that's what Jesus has done for us. What Jesus has done for us, God first. And seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And we're going to love him appropriately as the first and preeminent place for our life. And through that, we're then going to love others. And third, places where we find ourselves. God, others, us. We're going to live a life that screams to all observers, I'm third. And that's not a devalued place. That's an elevated place because we're placing ourselves into the life of Jesus. This is significant because as servants of Christ, Christians are supposed to live their lives as an investment for the kingdom of God. That is how we are supposed to live. So what do we do with this? Just kind of described a little bit of what it means, what the ideal looks like, right? As kind of unpack the end result, to, to live that way. I'm sure all of us, in our honesty, are like, that is... That, that is outside of my capacity. I, 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 now, I'm speaking for myself, not for you, but I'm a selfish guy. I'm self-centered. I think of myself first. My son cries, I don't want to get up and go change his diaper. I don't want to do that. Why? Because I want what I want. When I see dishes that have been sitting in the sink for longer than my wife would want them to do, you know what happens? I don't want to go and wash those dishes. Why? Because I want what I want. When I am busy and I'm in the middle of something, you know, writing this message or I'm, do, I'm working on things or planning stuff out and in conversations with other people and my life gets interrupted, I don't want to embrace that interruption. Why? Because I want what I want. When I give to someone else out of an attitude of servanthood and they don't respond back to me the way I would want them to respond back to me, I get mad. Why? Because I'm selfish. Because I want what I want. Don't you know I just gave you the life of Jesus and you don't respond back accordingly? Isn't that funny how we think sometimes? How I think sometimes? To be mistreated to be made fun of, to be neglected or even abused, when those things are occurring, we're actually more like Jesus than, than when, we're, when we're being celebrated. And so it's not that we go out and try to find ways that we can be abused. Okay, I'm not advising that. We're going out and find ways for us to, but we are ready at all moments in time that when an attitude of servanthood is what is required, we are not running from that. And when we mishandle it, that we're the first ones to apologize and ask for forgiveness and re-embody that life of servanthood and re-engage the power of the Holy Spirit activity in our life that allows us for, to be, for us to be these servants. So how do we put this into play here? Like, how do we do that? In many ways, what we do on a Sunday is the lab for helping us be effective there, out in our community throughout the week. When we're gathering as a church we didn't like say amen 11:15 we're gone we go our separate ways do our things we're tearing down and whatever and we're back out there what we did here should make us more effective as we heard things to now be doers of it there that's what we, that's how this functions that's how we do what we do so how do we what we do what we do here I'm, I'm, I'm confusing myself so i probably lost you too okay but when how do we do here help us function as servants Okay? As I mentioned earlier, when we gather, the idea is to function as family, to put into practice as brothers and sisters in Christ, and to love each other and to worship God the Father alongside of, because we're co-heirs with Christ, to function that way. And then villages, which is what we do during the week, and our groups that meet in homes during the week, and that's how we best function as missionaries. So that is our entry point into the life of Discover. People will come, and hopefully people, every week people will come here as their first point of entry into Discover's Life, life of discovery. At the same time, the villages are great places to do that. That's where our invitations are heading towards, because people are more comfortable in many ways of coming into your life because you've been living out the life of Christ in your third spaces. And so, through that village is the entry point into the life of Christ. Then to be able to come into a home and have a meal and to be received and cared for. So, what is what, what is our environment? Each of those are environments. The gathering is an environment. The village is an environment family, missionaries? What's our environment for servants? What's the environment we get to lab, we get to work that out and to get better at it so that we're best in our communities out there? It's our ministry teams. It's our ministry teams. Ministry teams are the environments, the labs, as to which we get to put into play, get to play into action the different aspects of the life of Christ and specifically what it looks like to embrace the life of a servant, the role of a servant in our life so how does that work why is being part of a ministry team help us function better as a family of missionary servants the first thing is that we're encouraged by seeing others serve us i hope you were encouraged today by what our band did for us were you encouraged by that today do you know they meet during the week most weeks they do that Either they're in constant communication with each other about songs they are going to be leading us through. I know they're all like rock stars, okay? But you need to understand, they give a lot of time and energy to do what they do here. That happens every single week. Like, Sunday comes every seven days. I don't know if you know that or not. That means they have to be ready to do this with decency and in order the Holy Spirit's power in their life. Every week. I don't know if you know this or not, because not all of you get an opportunity to do this, but you walk this hallway, and then you go down and you take a right. Or you keep going for a little bit and then take a right, and you have two different environments. You have an environment that looks after our kids. My son's back there right now. Another environment that's, that's kind of birth through fifth grade, and we have an environment that looks after our students, sixth, seventh, and eighth graders. And they give up being in here to serve you. To serve either your kids, like your biological children, or your spiritual children that you love and care for as a family of God. They're doing that right now. I don't like changing my own kid's diaper. Okay, much less someone who's somebody else's kid. Like, so I probably wouldn't qualify for that job. But they're doing that right now. Some kid is pooping their pants, okay? And someone's changing it right now. That just happened, okay? All right? They're teaching the kids scriptures. They're modeling what it looks like to worship God. They're teaching kids in a way that, that they're loved by God. Don't you wish you were able to unlock that reality when you were their age? How much different would your life be today if you knew? when you were in third grade, that God really, 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 really loved you. That's happening right now. When you came in today, you were greeted by people. Okay? These are people who stand those doors, the parking lot, entryway, every week. You know why? Because they're happy to see you. You know why they're happy to see you? Because they see you the way God sees you. They love you. They're interested in your life. They ask how you're doing. It's not just like a thing. They really do are interested in how you're doing. They come early to be able to see you before you see anybody else. You're the first, they are the first thing that you're going to understand about God when you show up on, the, on, on, this, on, on this campus every week. You don't know it. But there are people that sit back here okay, and they sit around a soundboard and sit around a computer. And they get here early along with the band. And they work through things and plan things. All this has to kind of find its proper place. You don't hear screaming coming out of these things because it's been done well. You don't know it, but this monitor right here feeds... You know, Rachel's ability to be able to hear and understand what's going on on the stage. This monitor today decided it wanted to stop working. So that meant that everything that was coming through here was going to have to come through one of these. That's a very difficult thing to do. Everything's difficult for me. I musically declined. So I'm just telling you what I understand, okay? So Josh, who sits back there most weeks, okay? Josh, who is, is a skilled, skilled audio technician, okay? Josh went home, okay, drove home, about 20 minutes, 25 minutes, got his own personal monitor that did not, because the other one didn't work, and came back here today, okay, then wired everything up, set it up, that kind of thing, so that would have an environment that would function well. You know why? Because he wanted to serve you. And I'm sure he's very mad at me for telling you this, because that's not the way that Josh operates The fact that you have a seat to sit on right now because it's an environment that kind of makes sense and is distraction-free and looks clean and is well put together is because we had a setup team that got here early this morning, pulled trailers around, set them up, lowered down the trailer doors, rolled everything out, and they sweat a lot for you. You know why? Because they love you. They care for you. They want to serve the Lord by loving and caring for you. You come here and there's coffee in the back. There's lemonade. There's water. There's bagels. There's like huge cup. Oh, those called cupcakes? They're in cupcake. They're like wrappers. But they're enormous. Those things are there week after week after week after week after week because someone on Tuesday goes to Panera and gets them and stores them and keeps them there Cuts the bagels because, God forbid, you'd have to cut your own bagel. But they want to care for you that way, so they cut the bagel for you. They bring it here, they put it on nice plates, and they put cellophane over it to keep the bugs off of it so you can have a nice bagel for breakfast. Why? They love you. They care for you. They realize that sometimes the hardest thing in the world for you to do, because things happen, is to, is, is to get here in time in order to have breakfast to feed your kids and all that kind of stuff. So they have stuff just for you to be able to do that. And there's more stuff that goes on all during the week. All these graphic stuff, like all the financial stuff, all those things that undergird that you have no idea happened because it's being done greatly. All that stuff. Is being done by people in our church, our family. Why? Because they want to serve you, serve as church, with the love of God. Are you encouraged? <laughs> I hope you are. You may go through your week and not feel like anybody loves you. You may go through your week and feel like nobody serves you. You may go through your week and feel like that you're having to do everything. I just want you to know, when you come here, There are people that have already for hours have been serving you. And it's intentional and it's planned and they give of themselves. People with bad backs. Horatius had a bad back for like the last 16 years of his life you know what he's here doing every morning, Sunday morning, 7 o'clock. It used to be 6 o'clock, but we've gotten better at it. So now it's 7 o'clock. And he's over here like, pulling stuff out, bending over. I'm like, don't bend over. He's like, oh, too late, I already been over. And he's picking stuff up and moving things around. You know why? Because he loves you. He knows he's been served, and he hadn't forgotten about how much God has served him. And as a result of that, he serves you. You should be so encouraged by this you know what, sometimes I'm sure a servants, just do it because, you know what, we just got to do it. But The vast majority of the time, do it because they love you. You have incredible value in the eyes of Jesus. And we want to see you as we see this community. And you know what, we're much better at serving our community and the difficulties and challenges in there because we've been serving here and are encouraged in that. If you're not careful, you'll just take this for granted, granted, not intentionally. It's not like, hey, I want to take this for granted. It's just, hey, you come through, and you do the same thing. We've been here for over five years now. And so it's just, you just kind of like, just what you do. Just walk in, this is what you do. In the movie theater is the same way. In Hilton Garden, it required tremendous amounts of effort from people because you are loved. And it is how we can show it. You should be so encouraged by that. Every time you get an email, every time you get a Facebook post, every time there's something good, someone has chosen to do that. The second reason why this is a big deal, as ministry teams are helpful in us being a family of missionary servants, is because it allows us to invest our gifts into the body and build up the family. Not only should you be encouraged by seeing others serve you, okay? Okay. Why should that be happening, But you are also have an opportunity to invest that which you've been given. It would be like the best financial planner in the world realizing that you just got a little bit of raise in your paycheck and he says, hey, let me help you invest that well so you actually see a, a much larger increase in that. What we're offering is we're saying, hey, like God has given you gifts and talents and abilities. And so... As a way to help you be who God's designed for you to be, to flesh out this idea of servanthood, is here are these opportunities to be able to invest your skills and abilities where rust won't destroy it and moths won't eat it up, but to store up treasures in heaven that are not temporal, but these are eternal. What a what a great opportunity. Now, one of the downsides to us being a well-functioning church and thinking through things well and planning things out, I've actually had some of you said, like, oh, you guys have like some opportunities, you guys have some needs. I didn't know that. Well, hey, let's solve that problem right now. Because it's not even, no, there are needs. There, you know, and my, our leadership team was very, I don't like using the word needs. I, I have an aversion to that word. But our leadership team challenged me and, I, and they are Right. You need to know that there are needs in our church, in our family. You need to know that. So you received when you came in today this piece of paper, in addition to the handout. And on it are an example, a list of need. Did you get that? Did you yes, did you get it? Okay. Not the one that was on the seat. You were handed it when you came in today. It's part of the handout. If not, Geraldo passes around. So make sure everybody, raise your hand if you didn't get one, and he'll be happy to put it in your hands. Um, so it's a list of our, our leadership team. Kind of, We get, gather and, and have our meetings on Monday nights, and we sat down, and on a piece of paper, we wrote down just different needs that are present within the life of our church that you can be a part of. These are opportunities for you to invest your talents and skills and abilities, or maybe even discover you have some stuff you didn't know necessarily you had. Some of these are kind of spiritual gift-minded things. Some of these are just like require a warm body. And I don't think I've killed any of you today. So you came in as a warm body, and I think, I'm pretty sure you're all still qualified, okay? So these are great opportunities. These are great things that are going to enable you to be able to involve yourself, like a setup team, okay, teardown team, greeters, student transportation. I don't know if there's a lot of our students that are part of our student ministry that are back there. They're not, their families aren't a part of our church, and through our incredible student leadership team, like, they go pick these kids up. Like, our, so in many ways, our opportunity to engage 6th, 7th, 8th, 9th, 10th, and 11th, and 12th grade kids has everything to do with seats in a car. We, the kids who want to come, we just don't have the access to be able to pick them up. You could, you could help solve that problem. You know, you're driving here, on your way here, or picking up kids. Like, that's just something that can be a part of your drive-in, okay? Um, people with trucks. We need people with trucks that have hitches on the back of their trucks or SUVs that can haul these trailers. Literally, what you got to do is just hitch it up and drag it around. That's, we need people that can do that. Right now, the same person is having to do it every single week. Could you do it one time, one, one time a month? One time a month. Be a part of it. Come in. Hey, hitch up the trailer to my truck and let me just drag it around. That kind of thing. That's what we, we really need that. That seems like something that um, may not be that big a deal in your mind, but it's a huge deal. Because We can't put stuff in here until the trailer gets here. And we, we have to store it over here at the wonderful Weiss School, which we love. They give us the opportunity to store it here. It's literally just dragging it around to two, two different spots, two trailers. That makes a huge difference. And then we've got to take them back. we got you know, to we, we'll load it all back up again after we say amen, and they're going to carry it back and drop it off back at the same spot, okay? Audio technicians, like, talk about how great Josh is. Josh will train you, okay? You will, it, you, you will get personal attention and time with, with Josh, okay? He will teach you what you need to know. Um, Caden is back there today, and he is learning from Josh about how to do audio technical stuff, like, he will help you learn it. Um, graphic design, everything that we do, like all the stuff on the website, all the stuff on social media, all the things you see here on Sundays, and there's more stuff that we need to be able to do that we just don't have time for because really it all flows through Brittany. Like all the stuff, all that graphic stuff, web stuff, all that flows through one person, flows through Brittany. So it has to be designed somehow. And so maybe you know how to do that or be interested in doing that. We we would love to be a part of it with you. Kids check-in, security. You just need to be able to pass a background check. Okay, you can pass a background check. Then you would, we would love to have you be trained, and prepared to check families in. You're the first face they see when mom and dad show up and go, "Okay, where am I dropping my kid off?" You could be the person that helps them see this is a safe and secure place that your kids can be loved and cared for. Now they're going to be taught the scriptures, but they're going to be safe. This is a place for, for that. Um, and then working specifically in the jungle, which is our youngest age group, okay, birth through I think it's through kindergarten. Okay? And then, uh, we'll then work in the MHQ, which is Missionary Headquarters, okay? and be able to function there. Work with those with the kids of first through, through fifth grade. Maybe those interest you. Those are, these are places of, of where you can invest your talents, your skills, your ability, your heart to make a huge difference in the kingdom of God. You know what? This is the thing I love to see happen. And if you're not careful, this next thing, this next kind of last reason why ministry teams help us is the thing that if you're not careful can actually be your greatest discouragement towards investing your your life into the mission of Jesus as a servant. Because what it does when you're doing this, it makes us hungrier and more dependent upon God. Because you're giving stuff away. Have you ever gone from kind of more of a sedentary lifestyle? All of a sudden you start working out. How much more hungry are you? And rarely do you actually have the energy before you make a decision to start working out, right? You just know you're supposed to, you should, or you got a friend that's going to say you do it, or is that girl at the gym, and you're like, hey, I want to go see her, so you go to the gym, okay? Whatever it is, like, whatever the motive for getting... You you start doing it, all of a sudden, you're you're hungry again. You're hungry in a different way. The same is true in working out your spiritual muscles. You start engaging the life of Christ as a role of a servant, and you get to see, like... I need Jesus in my life today. I need Him in such a real way because I don't have the ability to do what it is that I am supposed to do. And guess what? You don't. In your own strength, you don't. In your own capacity. But in Him, you do. He's given you those gifts to serve your family well, He's given you those gifts to make a difference in his kingdom. He sets you free so that you will not use your freedom as an opportunity to satisfy the flesh, but that you would use it to satisfy the spirit and to serve others in love. That's why you've been set free. Ultimately, this is what I just want us to kind of like, to realize is that my life as a servant is the way I say thank you to God For his undeserved salvation. I serve because I've been served. It's an undeserved salvation. I do not deserve what he has offered me, but it's the way that I say thank you. It's the way that you say thank you. It's how we embrace the life of Jesus Christ. So on that sheet of paper you guys had, there's email addresses, people you can get in contact with if that's a step that you want to take. Or let me say it, the step you know you're supposed to take. You don't want to yet. Just quick, like, life-changing phrase, okay? Right feelings always follow right actions. That may have been all you needed to hear today. Right feelings always follow right actions. You are rarely going to feel like forgiving the person. You know you're supposed to forgive, but all of a sudden you start having right feelings towards them on the other side of your choosing to forgive them. You're rarely going to feel like starting to start, feel like this. You're going to have all the reasons in the world not to do it because schedule and all the things. You're going to feel like it. Okay, but is it the ideal? Is it the right thing to do? Is it the biblically right thing to do? Is it what the life of Jesus Christ says I am supposed to do? If that's the case, then I start with patience and persistence, work my way towards that thing. It's God's design for us in Christ Jesus is that we would be servants. So today we're going to so we wrap this up the band's going to come forward and they're going to lead us in some in a, in a song at the same time we're going to see the elements of the Lord's supper and be brought in front of us too it's his body which has been broken for us and his blood which has been spilt for us will be there for us to be able to receive as a family of missionary servants and when we are thinking through the elements. I want us to take seriously what it looks like for Jesus to have served us. To realize that what he has done, the way in which he has served us, is in totality. There was nothing that he withheld from us. And I want so badly for you as a follower of Jesus, as, someone, as a son and daughter of the king, to be able to realize what it looks like to follow in his way. Again, we're just disciples of Jesus. We're just simply doing the things that Jesus has done in the same way that Jesus has done them. That's how we function as a family of missionary servants. All that's in play allows the life of Christ to become discoverable, experienceable. And as you take the Lord's Supper today, I want to say even tasteable. So we're going to take his body, his bread, which has been broken symbolically, and we're going to take that and we're going to dip it into the juice, symbolic of the blood of Jesus, which has been spilled for us. Take and eat. Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu visit.